If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain. I also have a heavy metal podcast called Talking Bollocks, which I've been doing for many, many years. Just click my name, which is highlighted in the podcast description as a link. It will take you straight through to over 100 interviews with the great and the good of heavy metal and rock. But here, here, I am your guide through all things Motorhead. And we are continuing to build this virtual museum of audio curiosities. It is stacked high with interviews that we've already done and broadcast. Others that are sat in the deep, deep recesses of the museum, which will be coming out soon. Some that we've just done and we're getting out to you straight away. There is so many stories and so many people to speak to when it comes to Motorhead, who had such a long and prolific career. Which means that we're not going anywhere. So that means neither are you. And to make sure, all you need to do is subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, there will be a subscribe button somewhere. Hit it, might have a bell on it or something. Hit the bell as well. And you will get notified every time a brand new episode of the Motorcast comes out into your device. Straight away, no hassle. This week, as always, great guest. We have Geraldine Geraghty, who is a movie director and producer. She worked on a number of Motorhead projects. Well, three, I think, in total. And we are going to talk to her. Well, I say we. I am going to talk to her about all of those bits and pieces. But of course... What do I do? I always start with the same old question. Hello, Geraldine. Uh, welcome to the Motorcast, and thank you very much for doing this. You're welcome. Nice thank- to meet you. Nice to meet you too, sort of. Uh, virtually, as it were. Hopefully, we will get a chance to bump into each other at some point. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Look, first question. I ask everyone this question. How did you first get drawn into the world of Motorhead? Well, I was producing music videos in a small company in Soho, um, literally a basement. And there was a female director there who'd worked on Headbangers Ball, uh, Vanessa Warwick, and she then went on to Chrysalis TV. So I started producing with her. And that's where I first met the band and their management and record company, and we all got along very well. And then when I left Chrysalis, um, I just started working for them independently and did the first I think the first thing we did was well, we did the 25th anniversary when I was still at Chrysalis which was a lot of fun we had um, I mean it was a crazy night and they were very excited and Lemmy was still you know had a lot of energy and I mean he did still very late on but he was still you know enjoying it um, with the after shows and all of that and um, we had some amazing guests we had Noel Redding and we had I May and um, lots, lots of, you know, his old friends. So that was a fantastic night. And then after that, when I left Chrysalis, they, they approached me and asked me to do a video, um, me PK stuff and behind the scenes. So the first video I directed for them was, I think it was in 2000 
five um, for uh, this very slowed down blues number they did, very unlike their normal stuff, called Whorehouse Blues. Not very PC these days, to say that. And in fact, we were meant to film it at Stringfellows and they found out the name of the song and they said no. So we had to find an alternative <laughs> club. Well, we tried to explain it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but they weren't interested. So there we go. So that was so... I first met them in about 2000, 1999, 2000, um, doing that. I think it must have been 2000 because that's the 25 years they've been together. And, of course, the lineup was by then Phil Campbell on guitar and Mickey D on drums, who are both fantastic as well, both great fun and real gents. And, yeah, got got on okay. And uh, maybe the fact there wasn't a massive metal head and fan initially, um, I mean, like most people, I'd obviously heard all the hits, but once I started to see them live on a regular basis, I mean, it's one of those bands that you just can't, not stay for the whole gig ever. I mean, even after I'd seen them 12, 11 or 12 times, I still, you know, there's definitely a magic about some bands. Yeah. You come out hard of hearing and everything, but it was, they really were absolutely fantastic band. And, and uh, yeah, so yeah. I think, there we go. That was beginning. I think, I think the word you're looking for there, describing them live is, uh, is undeniable. You know, it's like... That's, there you go. Yeah. Well, there are certain bands who you sort of believe in. You believe that, like, the Beatles, they knew each other from... Even though Lemmy's lineup changed, they have to feel like a gang. And he had that way of feeling, making everyone feel included and part of that gang, even if you weren't, you know, which I wasn't. But it, certainly his band members, they just... Because he was such a strong frontman, I think he just had that, you know, um, power to. This is right. This is my gang, and you're going to listen. And and it was like getting on a fast train. Once you're on, you don't get off. Yeah. Slightly naff comparison, but it's true. And the Ramones had it, and the Chili Peppers, and all the really, you know, defining bands of each era. And Motorhead obviously crossed a couple of genres with the metal and the. Um, rock and roll, because they were really a rock and roll band. Not, I would think of them like that, even though the noise was metal and the levels and the volume. The songs, when you, as you show, you know, you saw when they slowed down, you know, the songs, they were very either folky or rock and roll. And he, you know, he was into folk. He was in, he had a really broad taste in music. And there we go. So, yeah, you know what? You, you're a little bit hard on yourself it, um, because you did say, like, you know, uh, uh, being on a train that you couldn't get off. Although um, I, I'd like to think that that was the orgasmatron, um, <laughs> uh, which, which, you know, the train from the uh, the front cover of the album, um, and uh, which would be quite apt. Uh, but you, uh, but you make, yeah, uh, you make a really good point there. You know, Lemmy is a front man. If Lemmy had a superpower, I think it was just turbocharged charisma. You know, yeah. It's just the fact that we were having a little chat before this, and you and you were saying that you know he, he would he would be able to say something sarcastic, but it would also be nice and it would be funny. Yeah. But it would also be sort of wry and you know his own kind of humour, and I think that's I think that that sort of permeates everything that Motorhead did is that there's there's kind of Lemmy running through it like a stick of rock. 
Well, I also think that he was pretty smart, uh, incredibly smart, and he'd been around since the very beginning of rock and roll, you know, not, not wanting to sort of make him sound incredibly old, but he had. He, he, you know, born in 40 or something, and so, or 45, and he'd been through it, you know, he'd got kicked out of his first band, and then he struggled to get the second band on the road, and so he'd, he'd once he'd made it, it was like, oh, well, like he'd earned his dues and, and he'd seen everything. He'd seen the very first rock and roll come into England. And so his tastes are really broad. And I think when, so, when someone's sort of soaked in it that much, they, they don't really have to do that much. I think he understood he had to have a brand with the hat and the outfit. And it looked good and it looked, you know, everyone loved that. But ultimately it was really, uh, he was a music man, you know, like would have, couldn't have done anything else and so when you know that about someone you, I think you believe in it and you buy into it and, and you know the sound was, was loud and sometimes a bit hard on, on the ears but it, the songs were so good that if the songs hadn't been that good it would have just been a you know like any other metal band but the songs were so fantastic the lyrics were so great so sharp and yeah. um, and they and polit, quite quite political as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, they were about be you know the the man. Yeah. On and the underdog, or chasing women, or you know, women not not being able to get women, but mainly about struggle or you know, life being hard and and done in an amazingly poetic but pop way and and everyone could access and understand them and you know that's why i think that's why they're so big abroad as well because yeah people yeah. get get the message and well they're they're they're, they're universal themes yeah you know it doesn't he matter was very political very left-wing and and believing in i mean they had he had other other beliefs which people found hard to take or not beliefs but you know passions like collecting stuff that was a bit odd but so what you know well he didn't he didn't believe in the the um what's the word the sort of uh uh doctrine he, he the beliefs yeah that that exactly that he wasn't behind the beliefs of that he just like enjoyed the way things looked yeah and that you know the people sort of criticised but um, but as a bloke and, and understanding people and wanting people to be okay and uh, hating injustice and stuff like that things that sound a bit outdated now but are really important and he promoted that and not and not many artists do really put yeah. their neck on the line I mean they they'll witter on a bit but they won't be so uh, vitriolic you know or, or damning and some of his songs were so. Yeah, very I much. Thought that was so. really great. Yeah, no, and and it, I'm interested because when we start, you know, we started out this, and you 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 were saying about you know doing that doing that video, and you weren't necessarily a fan, and yet all these years later we're now having this conversation, and you know as you've already mentioned, you you're into double figures having seen them, so that experience, that first experience with them, that must have left quite an impression. Well, you know. The first time I met them was was doing the Brixton 25th gig, so yeah, it it, it was being thrown in at the deep end. I mean, it was hilarious as well. We re all really enjoyed it, and they I think they had a good time, and they we put on a good show for them, and the after show, and the guests, and everything. It all worked really well, and but I realised they were um, 
how huge they were then, and you know, the twenty fifth was it was a big deal. Um, but so, you know, they were so cheeky and uh, still into that. You know, wanting everyone to have a good time, and yeah, it was just a great night. So yeah, and then from there, I I, I did a few things abroad with them, and then I do big videos and another DVD. I think the last time I worked with them was around 2011 or 12. Um, of course, you, you, you didn't get what they've done well and um, we lost, lost them in 2015, I think. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a fair stretch with them, on, a, on and off, though. Yeah, you ended up... I think the, la- the last thing you did was, what, the, the World is Ours, and that would have been 2011? Yeah, I just did. I just did some segments for that. I think that was that was kind of masterminded by someone else, but they used some of the gigs I'd shot and um, right. some behind the scenes stuff. And but then I did a video in 2010 with them called "Get Back in Line," and that was again. I mean, they never they never gave me much of a budget, but um, they expected <laughs> quite a lot. Um, and you know, to get the three of them to arrive at the same time and get them on a roof and perform and in the daytime oh. quite a feat and then yeah. <laughs> to get them to stay it had to be you know certain things but it was always always good natured and they always did, did as they were asked and you know Phil was very funny is very funny um, I mean at the 25th gig he <laughs> he was like a real prankster and he rang he rang up our office when we were a few days before and said oh Brian May he put on a voice, or he got his mate on a voice. He said, oh, "Brian May's not playing unless you meet his demands." And we were like, "What?" And he said, "Yeah, no, no, it's a completely deadly serious voice. Yeah, he wants a bouncy castle backstage, or he's not going on." <laughs> <laughs> we were like, "Are you joking?" No, no, and that's you know, that's his. Oh, that's his last word on the subject. So you know, you better get it sorted. Or and then. After a few minutes, like crack, everyone cracking up, laughing, you're like, you bastard. <laughs> oh, I, 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 you know, it's always stuff like that. And, and um, <laughs> Wacken Festival, you know, lots of japes and mucking around. and Yeah. All in a very wholesome way. They, never, they were never um, unpleasant or yeah. uh, rude or, you know, always really nice to be around, all three of them. They sound like three schoolboys just constantly messing about, keeping themselves entertained? Well, mainly Phil. <laughs> you know, they're very, they're very right. serious about what they do. They're, yeah. they're really serious about the music and they always turn up and, you know, produce the goods. So all of that just kind of in time, I think. But, you know, ultimately, yeah. Mickey's incredibly disciplined, um, not, not a party guy. And, you know, Phil isn't more I don't think but you know he's yeah. got a great sense of humor Welsh just really really funny yeah and um you know they're all very different and Lemmy was just you know himself as they say in Ireland and just really yeah. um could turn on the charm sometimes didn't want to see anybody you know fair enough he's yeah. got a lot of weight weight on his shoulders and a lot to deliver every night and their touring schedule was unbelievable. I mean, they were always on the road, always. Yes, yeah. 
Um, well, and you know, I mean, Lemmy refused to cancel dates right up to the end. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, I've I've spoken to his, you know, his, his personal bodyguard and all sorts of people on here, and you <laughs> know, and and they've said, you know, that it it, it basically it pained him to cancel shows because it's not something the band ever did, you know, and he knew that he owed his entire career to the fans and he didn't want to let one single Aww. person down. Yeah, and they were a very devoted fans. I mean Oh, the fan base is as as I very as I very much know, the fan base is, is second to none. Um I mean here we are, you know, all these years later. That, I mean, they're, they're, there's effectively no band, and here we are doing a podcast on the band. Mm. And you know, there's the. It comes back to that thing you were talking about earlier, about those bands with, those legendary bands with a with that just just have something like you know like a Beatles, you know like a Motorhead that that kind of, um, just a unique vibe. Mm. That that appeals to people like we're saying you know given the universal topics that Lemmy wrote about there was there was almost no language barrier for Motorhead but a lot of people don't even English people don't realize <clears throat> the lyrics are so good and when you when I yeah. say it to people they're like what <laughs> you know and and they're the, no no listen they're really very I mean it's it's really hard to write a song that's poetic and punchy and has got something to say and is catchy make people sing along and and people sort of laugh when you say that about most Ed songs but they it's almost like they do need to be slowed down or you need to read the lyrics but he's a great lyricist and that, a lot of that gets missed because of the volume and, the, and yeah. the vocal delivery and all of that but um so i was i appreciated that and also his knowledge of music i mean i remember one night i was never really in bob dylan and i mean obviously a fantastic artist as well but, you know, you like who you like. Yeah. Some artists you get into at different ages and times in your life, and I'd never really paid much much heed to it because of, I don't know why. And then he sort of convinced me one night about Bob Dylan, and so I went off and I think I was, went off to America and I listened to three of the albums in a row. And, I was, and, you know, things like that you'd never expect from him, but he was really into Dylan and really into... I'm not. I'm not a huge Dylan fan still, but I appreciated those three of those albums that he recommended. I thought, yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah. Um, and he had had other eclectic tastes. You know, he was into Enya and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but that's that's someone who's just you know obsessed with music, isn't it? He just yeah. no um, no judgment. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Well, if we ever get to hear this this solo album, there's all sorts of styles and guest performances and and all the rest of it, but no idea as to whether we're ever going to hear it or not. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I didn't know about that. Ah, well, well, you know, great. Maybe may, maybe with a few of your connections, we <laughs> uh, we can find I out what's going the, on. Um, I, I did go and see the head cat when he played a gig in America once I went to went, you know, had that three piece him and um Slim no who was there um Jim, Slim Jim and um Dan um Dan Doris, American guy um 
and they were they were pretty good. You know, obviously, it was just a side project. They yeah. loved the music. They did covers of you know Jerry Lewis and Little Richard, and so that was an interesting segue for him. And I I had I went to one of their gigs. So that was good. Yeah, it's 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 funny that you know Lemmy found ultimately you know what what he wanted to do and what what he was put here to do and just you know relentlessly did that um and again i think that's that's part of the appeal that that has existed for all these years but you got you know having worked with them so so closely as you did you got to see that it's it's authentic that and that's the one thing that people always say about about the great man is that you know what you see is what you get there's there was only one lemmy yeah there's only one version of lemmy well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know about that because I wasn't a, a close friend or anything, but um, yeah. I just worked with them a few, few times over the years. But it was um, it was nice to see he was he was still pretty normal, despite, you know, he knew he had, he had to turn it on and be a rock star and all of that. But, you know, he'd like a cheese board behind the scenes in the dressing room <laughs> and he'd always get you a drink and yeah. Make sure. Would you like some, you know, Santa girl? It's really nice here. Have it on a cracker and you know things. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> oh god! Lovely, did... you know. Did he really offer you some Santa gear on a cracker? <laughs> of course he did. He would have offered it to you had you been there. I mean, you know, ladies, you want a drink and just lovely. Yeah. But then you know, other times you'd be not in the mood to see anyone so that's yeah. fine as well you know the amount of energy you'd have to put into a show like that every night i'm surprised you talk to anyone it's it was you know there are some people who are made to be rock stars and ozzy's another one like ozzy osbourne yeah. as soon as they get on stage they completely transform and that's that's kind of a magic thing isn't it and you see it sometimes with actors as well and and singers and and dances, I guess you know all, all those art forms. So yeah, no, you're, you're you can't right. really explain it. He was just the yeah. same all the time. He just strapped on the bass and put the hat on and sort of walked out. And I think maybe that's why the fans did worship him so or do still love him so much and love the band is because they didn't they were they kind of were the same on stage as yeah as off. And that's pretty rare. There's, there's there was no pretension or naffness about motorhead at all and that's you know you can't say that about many bands maybe maybe the ramones half of the beatles maybe not all of them yeah <laughs> um, but i think also maybe half of the stones as well you know but not yeah difficult to pull that off and not come away with a massive ego and a sense yeah. of entitlement you didn't have that well the thing is as well is that when you when you have that as a band the Motorhead logo, the you know, and Snaggletooth, the whole thing. You see somebody wearing a Motorhead T-shirt, and it means more than just "I kind of like this band." Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes you just want to go up and go, "What's your favourite Motorhead song?" Because you know yeah. they've never listened to them in their life. Well, yeah, well, there is that. Yes, there is the fact that it's become <laughs> a, yeah a, a fashion logo. Um, yeah, uh, but. But no, I know what you mean. It's the sort of tribal thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, ultimately you meet as well. You meet Motorhead fans in the in the most bizarre of places as well. 
um, because working in the industries that we do, sometimes you you know you'll run into somebody who's a, oh yeah you know because they were around for so long, you know you, you can be you can be you know if you're in a music industry, you're never more than sort of a hundred feet away from somebody who knew the band and worked with them. You know, well, they're around for so long, I guess. Yeah, you know. absolutely, absolutely, and um, and and never stop touring. Yeah. Well, this well, this is it, and your fan experience, because of course you work with them, you know, as a band, and then you know, you, you became a fan. I have to say, I, I I knew I knew about them, and I'd seen them on the Young Ones when I was a kid. Yeah, so and I knew obviously Ace of Spades and certain yeah. songs that obviously were winners like Killed by Death and what a title and <laughs> Eat the Rich. I, I saw the saw the comic strip film and all that. Yeah. And in fact at the at the Motet twenty fifth we had the weirdest guest list and some of the people that wanted to come and it was brilliant. Like Jeff Beck came with the bloke from the comic strip, Peter Richardson, and they stayed all night at the party and were sniggering away at the covers band we had for the party, the peoples and dancing and you know, it was really nice to see you wouldn't expect, you know, them to have such a big um, yeah. presence, but they, they, all these people turned up, and it was lovely. I think they were quite touched by that. Um, okay, I wish I had the guest list in front of me. There's some funny, <laughs> funny names on there. I, oh, okay, I can imagine, and that's something again. The the humour in the humour in Motorhead. Lemmy was always it was was always up for some of that. So I knew about that side, and I, I guess just as a touring band, I, I'm not sure I'd ever seen them live before I started working with them, but that's where they really, you know, everything accelerated, obviously, when you saw that. And, I mean, really, it was it was deafening, but I could, you could never leave. You just wanted to stay to the end, and uh, yeah. that's quite a, quite a thing, isn't it? So Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and when was the last time that you that you saw the band? I think it was in New York. I went over to do an interview. In, uh, I think it was for that world, the one you mentioned, the, the title ah, right, DVD. Yeah. Um, I think they used some of the weird casino venue. The last time, I think. Yeah. I saw Phil and Mickey up at beer launch thing, but. Oh, was that the that was the, mo- the Motorhead beer launch? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was, I was very sad and I wanted to go over for the service but couldn't and I mean, it, you know, I wasn't, yeah. So that that was a real loss. But he he had a good innings and, and lived life yeah. to the full so I don't think oh, there were many regrets there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, my, my father died uh, one year older than Lemmy but... Um, uh, didn't you know? Didn't drink, didn't smoke, and, <laughs> and certainly didn't do half the things Lemmy yeah. did. So you know, I think there's a lesson there. There's a life lesson there for for me and everyone listening. <laughs> yeah, and and the whole health thing wasn't around when you know guys that age were were younger. So the chain smoking and all of that was yeah. So um, yeah, what a life. Yeah. Oh, what a life. What a life. And I and I also you know someone was saying. I can't remember which interview it was, but somebody was saying that um, uh, he was making Jack and Coke, but he was making it with um, with Diet Coke. He was saying he's got to beat his diabetes, and he literally put sort of, you know, about three inches of Jack into a glass, and then a little dip of Diet Coke. 
<laughs> so there you go. That's my yeah. that's my health routine for the day. Aww. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. We all look. We all miss him, Geraldine. That 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 tone that you have there is, is yeah. It's it's universal. I think there's once you've been you know once you've been in the orbit of Motorhead, whether it's working with them a family, once you've whatever. been touched by Lemmy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, possibly word it slightly differently, but yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I think um, you know a, a lot of people. You know, treasure their memories of, of meeting him only once, and you know people like me who, who never met him but still feel like like they know him. He's just a, a unique character and a, and a unique band. Oh yeah, no, great. It's great you're doing it. I'm sure a lot of people enjoying talking about it and remembering stuff. And, um... Well, that's that's the idea. We do we do sort of listeners episodes occasionally, and and that's and that's people sending in their stories saying, oh, you know, let me tell you about the time I met Lenny and, and, and Lemmy and ended up doing blah blah blah. And you just, you know some of these messages I get and I just think, wow, these are awesome. I mean, I can't record any of these, but they're great. <laughs> Um, yeah. But look, uh-huh. well, look, everybody listening will be really, um, really thankful that you've just sharing these stories and uh, uh, with us, Geraldine. I really, really do appreciate it. And, and, oh, and no ta- problem, and no taking the time out as well. No, no, no worries. Nice to talk to you, and um, I'll speak to you again. Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll speak again one sunny day. I mean, I kind of had to say that, really, and I also have to say. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. And hopefully I will get a chance to catch up with Geraldine again. She's a great person to speak to and really clearly knew of the band before she worked with them. And and that kind of, you know, tipped the experience over. Really enjoyed doing that. Really enjoyed doing it. Hope you enjoyed listening. As always, stay in touch, subscribe, tell all your friends. And if you or someone you know um, have got some motorhead stories that you think are wacky and wonderful and you'd like to share with the Motorcast, get in touch with me through any of my Talking Bollocks social media. That's on Instagram, that's on Facebook, and that's on Twitter, and it's Talking Bollocks. It has an S on the end. Anyway, enough of that complication. Get in touch if you've got some stories, or alternatively... Just get in touch and say hello. It's been really great getting the feedback from all of you guys. I really, really do appreciate it. I know there's loads of you out there that wait for these podcasts to drop and you're listening to them all and, you know, you want us to do more. Don't worry. We've got that covered. I'm really enjoying doing it and I hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as I'm enjoying doing it. I'm really hammering that home this week, aren't I? Anyway... Enjoy yourselves, enjoy the episode, take care of each other, be well, and I'll speak to you next time on the next episode of the Motorcast. I don't say agreed. The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.